Japan by River Cruise is made possible by your donations and subscriptions at japanbyrivercruise.com and the generosity of our corporate sponsors. This is a message for all of the Tokyo 2020 Olympic hopefuls. To all of the world-class athletes who are struggling with the loss of the chance to compete in the 2020 Olympics, especially those of you who are over 23 years old and quickly aging into obsolescence. If the delay or cancellation of this Olympic cycle means losing your last or your only chance to compete in the world's most prestigious athletic competition, please don't despair. There's still a way to make use of all your hard work and dedication. You've ignored pain thresholds and pushed your body to the very limits of human endurance and beyond and still kept going. You would rather urinate in your pants than fail to meet your goals. So, while the rising sun may be setting on your Olympic aspirations, a new door stands open. The door to the Amazon warehouse. Put your unique qualifications to work for us. Agile, tireless, powerful. All words that describe the robots we're developing for our fully automated fleet of item pickers. But until they're ready to launch, we want you to marginally increase the speed at which we can provide value to shareholders. You may have missed your shot at the gold. Don't miss your chance at this prime opportunity. Amazon, we make the world worse. Welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Phil Wang. Phil is a Malaysian-British comedian living in London who has toured his stand-up internationally, including twice to Japan. His TV credits include Dave's Taskmaster, BBC's Live at the Apollo, and Channel 5's Cotswold River Cruises from Hell. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, I cut my teeth on the Kinabatangan River tour in Malaysia as a kid. I was head of onboard snacks. So right up front, quick disclaimer, uh, although we are honestly pretty distraught over the escalations of police and military violence against the peaceful protests in the U.S. and the speed at which the country seems to be turning into a fascist dictatorship, we believe that you largely share our perspective and concerns and are already listening to voices that are more informed and more qualified than the two of us. Yes, and now people are listening. Now's not the time to just educate yourself, but do something. And I think anyone who's had the privilege of experiencing life in a country and culture that's not their own is uniquely positioned to be an ally. So please remember, you have a huge amount of agency. So use it. Talk to people, engage in local politics, write to your elected officials, hold those in power accountable, give money to people who are on the front line of this movement. Uh, you may have noticed that last week we started offering those who buy us a coffee some extra bits, including getting the episode early, bonus and release chat, blah, blah, blah. Uh, thank you. Genuinely, thank you to everyone who's already signed up as a member. We hope you don't mind if we put out the extras for free again this week and ask those who haven't yet bought a membership but were thinking about it to spend that money elsewhere. Yes, please consider giving what you can to organizations like Black Lives Matter, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and the official George Floyd Memorial Fund in the U.S., also, there's Runnymede Trust or the Stephen Lawrence Charitable Trust in the UK. Links will be in the show info. All that said, if you are listening to this anyway, we can only assume that it's because you enjoy what we do on a weekly basis and might just be hoping for something lighthearted amongst all of the protests, discrimination, and police brutality while in the middle of an actual global health pandemic and not forgetting the climate change emergency. So, on this week's show... 
A peeping Tom gets caught with stolen schoolgirl uniforms and women's undergarments numbering in the thousands. Also, hundreds protest racial profiling and police brutality in Shibuya. Plus, Ollie's got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Ollie? Yes, this week's recommendation is the American-themed Stars and Stripes River Cruise in Tokyo. We're recommending them not for their cruise, but for their significant role in ending centuries of oppression by changing the profile photo of their Facebook page to a black square. So, well done then. And the Japanese government attempts to cheer a COVID-weary populace by having the Blue Impulse fighter jets roar over Tokyo and by coordinating surprise fireworks displays nationwide. We'll look into the preparations for the next morale-boosting measure, painting Gambare on the side of some riverboats and telling the captains to stand on the prow and yell, Baito! But first, Soap Talk. <laughs> Phil, I haven't seen you since you came through Fukuoka. I know your career's changed a lot since then, but can I assume that this has got you... St- you know, not on the touring circuit right now? Yes, I'm currently not touring because it's illegal. Uh, whereas before, it only should have been illegal. How's how's the situation over there? It's... Pe- people have um, have kind of given up a little on, on the lockdown here. Um, I, we don't quite have the discipline that uh, Japan has. I mean, the, the Japanese civic duty is pretty strong. Yeah, very I mean, much people, so. Wo- people wear face masks there. They wore face masks there before this pandemic. Whenever, if they had a sniffle, Japanese people put on face masks not to contaminate anyone else. Right. So they're all pretty well placed. I, I got a bit frustrated with people here, the self-flagellating Brits who go on about how, look how amazingly well South Korea and Japan have done. Why aren't we more like them? They just, they're just better countries than we are. It's like, well, no, because you know, they have to face pandemics like every five years. They're pretty well right. practiced by now. South Korea messed up at MERS, which is why they've, they've been so good about uh, COVID. Hey, Phil, I tell you who is doing well. Yeah. Malaysia. They've absolutely yeah, Malaysia's done really well. They have, they've I had think like... it was, yeah, top five or like bottom five, whichever way you look at it, but like in a good way. And I mean, there, obviously there are some people who are just like wearing masks, but just doing it on their chin and assuming that like the mask works like a mosquito burner um you know just kind of having it around <laughs> yeah uh but generally lucky I mean, charm yeah but i mean the, the lockdowns worked when I mean, people were getting like arrested for just being out of their house like someone in singapore got arrested for meeting their girlfriend and someone in singapore getting arrested for something minor surely not can you believe it but no, I mean, malaysia's done really really well so uh have some you can have half of your civic pride okay yes 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 no, I talked to my I talked to my dad from time to time, and um, the lockdown there has been pretty strict, and but it seems to have worked. Had you had any plans to come back to Japan? I, uh, I, I there was a time when I presumed I'd be back in Japan every year because I love it so much, and be in Fukuoka and Tokyo, and um, it was actually nice just listening to your podcast and reminiscing about good times, you know. Yes, yeah, that's that's pretty much the whole reason that we do the podcast. Mm. Uh, I celebrating really good cost to talk to Ali otherwise. <laughs> Bobby, how's your week been? They lifted the restrictions and everybody started going back to work. And just as my work's all come back in, I'm doing uh, on-location shoots for, for TV with all the precautions in place. I'm back in the actual TV studios, not in, in the FaceTime studios. But uh, the second wave looks like it's popping up. Kita Kyushu, which is right next to Fukuoka, had 
like 20 some cases in a couple of days and i think it's still rising uh tokyo reported like 46 cases for the first time in a little while but they're not stepping it back in terms of like going back to a stricter lockdown right now they're just kind of saying we're going to see how this mm. plays out so i've been back on like the morning shows it'll be like local flare-ups now won't it instead of a full-blown countrywide pandemic hopefully i, I mean this is the way it started in the beginning. So it either could be following a second wave and building back up to uh, larger numbers again. But I think right now the reason they're not stepping it back is because they're hoping that these are smaller clusters. When they try to trace them, they're not having that much luck. There's a lot of people where they can't figure out how or why they got infected. And in Kitakyushu, it's not localized. It's spread out like across all age groups and across like the entire geographical region of, of Kita Kyushu. I had a report that um, uh, Japan had done so well and had has had relatively few deaths um, from COVID, in part because it has the lowest obesity rate in the world or something. Yeah, that's part of, of what I've heard as well. At least since Ollie left. Oh, wow, Phil. Wow. Nailed him. Nailed him. <laughs> <laughs> but there is some absolutely mad tokenism going on, isn't there? Like, I've I've seen pictures in Japan, they've been doing them here in Malaysia too, of just putting Perspex screens between two people in a room which has an air conditioner that has air circulating around it as if, like, air knows that it must stop. Like, and, and also, like, stickers on the ground, like, saying stand here and stand there, which yeah. people are just flatly ignoring. I mean, I mean it's, it's like, Malaysians, Malaysians didn't queue before this. I mean, they're not going to start being able to queue with new specific rules i've, I've the um, first time i ever saw a queue was when i um the first time i went to the uk i know i, I grew up in malaysia yeah i didn't know what a queue was i'd heard of them i'd heard of queues i'd read about queues but i'd never i'd only ever seen a throng <laughs> japan is doing really well with them they actually keep the distance japan i think has always been very good with that sense of community responsibility and listening to what the authorities tell you to do Having just those rules in place makes them feel comfortable. And uh, floor markings for queues, Japan has been, you know, the train yeah, stations the there. They, yeah. they've, they mark out the queues for each carriage, you know, so you know where to stand before the train gets there. I love, oh man, that was great. I love that. It's so sweet. I, I think that sense of orderliness is making it really hard for Japanese media to figure out how to respond to the news about the demonstrations in America right now. I was on a TV show uh, the other day where they had a news segment about the demonstrations going on in America, and the vast majority of the commentary that, that gets said around it is how it would never happen in Japan. There's no protest culture. There's no demonstration mm. culture in Japan. Um, yeah, and actually, it's not strictly in, true, is it? It's not entirely true, but I think as a generalization, it's one of the fairer generalizations. One of my most memorable experiences of uh, being in uh, Japan the first time, that first little tour that Ollie took me on. I remember being in, going to Hiroshima. I went to Hiroshima on my own to, to visit the Peace Park. It's just, it's very funny, by the way, in the context of you saying that I was a terrible tour guide, saying I had to go to Hiroshima to the Peace Park just to get some peace and quiet from Ollie. Yeah, just to get some quiet. I had to go to the scene of an atrocity to get away <laughs> from Ollie's incessant nattering. Had he gone <laughs> with you, it still would not have shut him up. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the last time Hiroshima saw Fat Man, it wasn't good news. Uh. So, but when, when I was in the Peace Park... It's like two fat jokes in the first 10 minutes, man. I think they've both been of high enough quality, though. Um, 
But while it's in the peace park, from time to time, the, the silence would be broken by this huge black uh, bus with loudspeakers over the top shouting about American imperialism. And yeah. I think they just lap. Um, I think it, I think it's like a far right nationalist uh, pop party, maybe in Japan. They and they yeah. just circle the Hiroshima Park. <laughs> this blasting. is very believable. Well, they've got the right spot for it. It's kind of like get them while they're feeling a little bit angry. Exactly. But the the feeling in the park is not anger, really. It's no, it's like yeah. reflection. I remember walking around the Peace Museum in Hiroshima, and you know, like, like really, really feeling moved the first time and, and kind of just thinking it's just so unconscionable that nuclear weapons could ever have existed. And, you know, it, it really turned me into kind of a... Um, I suppose, you know, on reflection, the museum doesn't really mention anything bad about Japan. I mean, you can... If, if your only access to history is that museum, then uh, Japan are definitely the good guys. That's right, um, yeah. But I, um, I, I did have a moment where I was reminded what the real fight is about. Because I, I went to the museum a second time, this time with another comedian, Josie Long. And uh, she uh, and I signed the guest book at the end. And we had to turn past a page, which was clearly written by an American um, that just wrote Pearl Harbor! exclamation <laughs> mark. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the real fight. That's, that's the immediate concern. We'll deal with that first. Uh, that's funny. Bobby, do we have any mail this week? Yes, uh, we've got a message from a Brian. This Brian's name is Tim. He says, hi, your podcast is compromising my treadmill run. I like to pound it for 30 minutes and your earlier podcasts would give me those 30 minutes. <laughs> now you're slightly short. Any chance you could just add some noises to make it up to 30 minutes? Thanks. Um, I, I don't know how comfortable I feel at, at being asked to add some noises to help you pound it. <laughs> Prolong Tim's pounding. Bobby, prolong his pounding. <laughs> He's pounding too short. <laughs> He's not pounding long enough anymore. Also, can't you just run faster? Or, or <laughs> yeah, just yeah, run faster, then you get it done in time. I mean, we... That's right, let's take exercise advice from Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm going so hard on you today. Uh, I mean, are our episodes less than 30 minutes? I mean, if they're not 30, they're like 29. Plus, we've started adding bonus bits. So, yeah, yeah. Tim, who I do think is a member... Uh, because I think Tim was one of the early people who just donated, so we just threw him into the monthly thing. So actually, Tim is now financially meaningless to us. We will never get more money for Tim. He has lifelong membership. So I'm happy to be rude. Tim, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Bobby, shall we take a look at the news? In stories that absolutely don't typify what foreigners think Japan news is about, police have recovered 2,700 stolen items of underwear and schoolgirls' uniform from a 54-year-old man's house in uh, Okayama. Yeah, 54, not 58. If he was 58, there would be another 2,000. <laughs> the photograph which accompanies the article on the Sankei, which we will link in the description, uh, shows kind of blue tarpaulin, right? like if you're going camping, and all of these bras very delicately laid, kind of one by one. I mean, to be honest, it just looks like the contents of a normal Japanese vending machine. <laughs> I don't see what all the, all the hoo-ha is about. Someone on Twitter pointed out that not only can you see these bras in the foreground, but there's just bags and bags and bags of bras yeah. behind. As if the police had started to lay all these bras out and gone, <laughs> oh, fuck it, that's enough. That's clearly enough to prove. That's, we, don't, we don't have to lay them all out, do we? It looks like they've, they've attempted social distancing with underwear. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
I feel bad. They are going to have to eventually go through all of those bags. There's no way they're not going to, you know, cross all their T's and yeah, dot all their I's with to. this one. Have oh, to. Oh, they have to go through <laughs> all those bags. Well, how... Oh, God, that must be horrible. For evidence, let's check the ones which smell the nicest. <laughs> I have a suspicion that if this man is as prolific as it seems, I reckon the majority of these bras will never have been worn by an actual person. And the reason I can say this with a certain degree of certainty is I had a friend at university who was regularly getting her underwear stolen from her balcony. And so she would buy cheap underwear to put up as a decoy because she she just couldn't stop her underwear being stolen the police wanted basically nothing to do with it i mean they, they listened and they said yeah this is a problem but and were you disappointed what... when she started doing that uh no i was uh I, I was i was i was delighted because it meant that i could uh i could encourage her to buy ones in my size how does that work putting them up as a decoy like you put them up with your also regular underwear like how, how does or do you hang your real underwear somewhere else and just put the decoy yeah, out yeah, to be she stolen? hasn't really solved her original problem has she she still needs somewhere to dry her real underwear no, actually, exactly. Without having probed, what I should have done is is challenge her on the fact that now twice the amount of underwear is being stolen. Both the actual, right. under, the actual underwear. She, she's she's only she's just basically created a, an, an absolute bounty for for this guy. Or was the idea was she treating this 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 pervert as like um a, a, a boa constrictor or a lion and filling it up, filling him up with bras and underpants she didn't want, so that he could he was sated and full. And but wouldn't need to stop? feed again for a while. But Phil, if you're correct, then surely you stop at 2,700. Like you'd, you'd stop at a nice round number like 2,000 and go, maybe another 500, then I'm happy. This guy, imagine the state of this guy's apartment. I'm not suspecting this guy lives in a mansion with a closet for all these bras. This is Marie Kondo's worst nightmare, where she goes <laughs> in and he's just, just surrounded, just surrounded by bras. Right, bras here, there, everywhere, and her going right. You got to remove what doesn't spark joy, and he's like, "I'm literally taking these to spark joy." <laughs> so there is one more story that we ought to take a look at before we wrap up, which is the violence against the Kurdish individual by the police in Ebisu and the subsequent protests which followed. Yeah, there were hundreds of protesters uh, protesting police brutality and discrimination against foreigners, racial profiling in Shibuya last Saturday. Um, I saw some tweets about it in the West, actually. I was surprised to see it making the American Twitter sphere. And part of it was because they just saw that there was a protest against police brutality. And a lot of the protesters in the West initially assumed that it was just a protest in solidarity with uh, the protests against the uh, racial injustice. Are you yeah. sure it wasn't Americans accusing Japan of cultural appropriation? So, hey, that's our thing. Police brutality. Police brutality is... An American thing. Phil, have you seen this video? Yeah, it's um, a Kurdish guy being sort of manhandled against his car in in the middle of a road in, in Tokyo yeah, by two police yes. officers. And then the one of the police officers catches his the Kurdish man's friend who's filming them and walks over and grabs grabs the camera. Yeah, which is always telling. I think. So it seems like it wasn't even a traffic violation stop. It seems like it was. They saw a Kurdish man, they saw a foreigner driving and wanted to search the car. And so he speaks Japanese. He's been here a long time and was protesting, was saying, you know, I didn't make a traffic violation. There's no cause to search the car. And they pulled him out. And even though he didn't seem to be 
resisting or trying to get away, uh, just verbally disagreeing with them in Japanese, they got progressively more and more aggressive. And the, they had absolutely no right to search his car. They had no reasonable suspicion of anything. Are the reasonable suspicion laws the same in Japan as they are in the West, Ollie? Uh, so this is... Uh, is this an opportunity for me to use my jingle? Uh, no, it's, it's not. It's not copyright law. Yeah. It's not copyright law, and I don't know enough about criminal law. But uh, Japanese people do need a warrant to search you. They need a warrant to search your property. They need probable cause? No, they need a warrant. They can't, they can't just search. So the video went viral online. I guess the police were not successful in getting it deleted, but the video went viral and... Uh, it spawned these protests on Saturday where uh, the Kurdish man himself came out and was kind of leading the protest and was interviewed on the news. And he said he did make comparisons. He said this is exactly like what American police officers do. And the protesters denounced the death of George Floyd. But I think a lot of people in the West saw it and assumed it might have just been in solidarity and did not get the sense that this was also a problem in, in Japan. And some other tweeters uh are being accused of whataboutism because people in Japan, including this uh, guy who runs a progressive newspaper, his own words, tweeted about how he'd prefer the police brutality in Japan over what's happening in America any day. Look, there's absolutely no question that the Japanese police do racially profile. For example, I got racially profiled while driving in Tokyo, where uh, I just fitted the profile of someone that went the wrong way up a one-way street through a stop sign. And they profiled me and they stopped me and they gave me a ticket. That's very unfair just because you were doing that. Absolutely. I thought what was really telling was even even in the protests against this, um, the violence against this Kurdish man, the protesters were shouting, uh, stop racially profiling foreigners. And like, they still use the word foreigners, even though they're on his side. And he's <laughs> acclimatized Japanese. He speaks yeah. fluent Japanese. He's been yeah. there for 15 years. And he gets attacked and everyone's like, oi, stop. Hey, he's, be nice to this foreigner. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we know he's foreign, but don't beat him up. That is a very good point, because I think even the most progressive Japanese people still get things hideously wrong. Like, they will hypercorrect. So it's very common, for example, that you might receive an email from a, uh, a Japanese person which writes the entire email to you in katakana because they think that a foreigner might find that easier to read than like mm. normal Japanese where actually yeah. it's just a, it's a pain it's a complete pain in the ass or um, I think Bobby didn't you buy a, a whole two litre carton of milk and they gave you a straw because they assumed that foreigners can drink a lot of milk yeah I'd be drinking the whole <laughs> litre of milk in one sitting but no it reminds me of I saw something you wanted on... to drink all of this of course yeah <laughs> I saw something on Twitter the other day it was a, a a white woke person who had posted a picture of themselves with uh, duct tape over their mouth that said, I can't breathe, but they had also done blackface. And someone had wow, quote okay. tweeted that with like, when you're so woke that you go all the way back around to being racist again. It's um, yes, it's um, it's a deadly circle, isn't it? But is I there, think, is there, yeah. is there a sort of woke culture in Japan among Japanese people? There's definitely kind of virtue signaling around being friends of foreigners. Really? Definitely yeah, I wouldn't call thing, it right? virtue but, but, signaling. These are foreigners of any kind. I mean, I guess, I guess there might be some kind of ranking like Pokemon that foreigners of different colors have more value as to how rare they of are. Course. There are also all different kinds of subcultures in Japan that get really into different countries and different cultures. So while typically people would say the white foreigner in Japan has it the best in terms of how esteemed they are, there are Japanese people who are really into hip-hop, really into reggae, really into 
uh, Latin music. And those groups of Japanese people will latch on to black foreigners when they find black foreigners or Spanish foreigners when they find Spanish foreigners. Yes, I, I mean, at, um, at the venue you talk about sometimes in, in Tokyo, the wonderful Good Heavens, uh, where I've performed as well. They, um, there's a, often a swing night there. All these yeah. Japanese people come and do some yeah. swing dancing. But Bobby, you are right. That I think Japanese people sometimes find getting into a country like a hobby. Like I remember yeah. at university, one of the master's students just got super into Cambodia. And so like, they did their dissertation in Cambodia. <laughs> they wanted to go and live there. It was just like their thing, huh. right? And so like, their house would be covered in Cambodian oh, things. Oh, wow. I would and, not recommend Cambodia for anyone who has done a dissertation. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why I wouldn't really call it virtue signaling. I think it's fetishism. I, I and don't... fanaticism, a uniquely yeah. Japanese fanaticism Yeah. about something very specific. I don't think that's the same as kind of like a woke culture that gets over woke. I think it's more fetishism that doesn't get recognized uh. as fetishism because Japanese people don't see a problem with seeing people as groups instead of individuals. One thing that's quite positive is the amount of support that these protests are getting. I yeah. Mean, people are really backing it and they get. And what's what's interesting is, and I think there might be, the beginnings of a critical mass of people that recognize this isn't just some police officers being rough with an individual, but rather this is the product of a systematic problem where foreigners are dealt with differently by the authorities. And certainly from my readings of discussions on Twitter, which I know is not a, a, a perfect cross section of Japanese society, people seem to get that this isn't, you know, this isn't the, the bad apple problem, but rather this is systematic. I think the people who are tweeting might have that sense. I don't think it's nearly as mainstream. I, I wouldn't call it a critical mass just yet. I remember a few years ago, I was at a, a party, an international party, where it was, it was full of foreigners who had just graduated from some international course. Uh, and a waiter very forcefully barged past me with a tray. And rather than saying, excuse me, he just kind of he like, he nudged me, really just kind of pushed me out of the way because he had somewhere to be. And I said to him in Japanese, oh, yeah, what are you doing? What did you just hit me for? And his instant response was, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you spoke Japanese. So <laughs> like, for, for, for him, it, it was like he maybe even considered that, you know, maybe if I might not know the word Sumimasen, so it's better to just barge me. And so like st stuff like that, you know, I, I kind of, I maybe, dare I say, I find forgivable. <laughs> if you don't think someone can speak Japanese, you can only communicate with them using the oldest language of all. Well, the, the, the old language of barging them out of the way, but that is maybe the, the universal thing language wish, right? of pushing. Yeah, that. that yeah, that yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's um, there, yeah, I think the Japanese culture is on this knife edge with people who don't speak Japanese of being very accommodating, but also losing patience quite quickly, and. <laughs> And because there's so much, that is a, that is a very good observation. That is a very good observation. There's so much embarrassment at stake that it can boil over, and Japanese people just they go nuts and they just use physical force rather than continue to be embarrassed. Or they shut down completely, or they just refuse to continue the interaction. Put it this way: I didn't feel like I was the victim of racism, right? Like, like certainly, like certainly, my uh, girlfriend at the time who witnessed it. She, like she 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 got it she saw exactly what happened this guy wanted to kind of wade through me as if i wasn't there but the moment i kind of grounded him by speaking fairly good japanese and kind of instantly asserting oi oi what did you do me for what did you just hit me for he went straight back into looking like a very humble japanese waiter apologizing to me as if i were a japanese but you know his whole demeanor changed just because 
he then realized that he could communicate to me on a level and on a frequency that he was comfortable with. Let's not and forget so, that this Kurdish man, though, was speaking Japanese, was speaking fluent oh, Japanese. I, I'm not... I'm not. I'm not at all suggesting that there's any yeah. kind of equivalent. But what what I am saying is that a kind of an instinct to act differently because you're not comfortable with that person, I do think is extremely prevalent in Japan. And I know for a fact it must be prevalent in the police because otherwise they wouldn't do their training, which apparently they do with new recruits, where they get them to go and stop foreigners and ask them for their gaijin cards just as a way of practicing interacting with foreigners when it does eventually happen. A gaijin card. Your foreigner like registration card, card your alien registration yeah. card. Ah, nice. You have to have that with you all the time. The rules are you're supposed to have them with you all the time, yeah. And the oh. the rules are the police are allowed to stop you and ask for it at any point. What about when you're a tourist? A tourist, you're supposed to carry your passport with you at all times. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I wonder if you did that. Just to go back to this uh, tweet that went out where somebody was saying, I'd take the police brutality in Japan over what's happening in America any day. I do think there is you can see how you can understand that sentiment because what they're really saying is that America is the same but so much worse. Uh, I did find a way in which America and Japan are exactly the same, though, and that was in the comment section of this article where the majority of people are writing, if you don't like it, go back to where you came from. <laughs> As if this is a quintessentially Japanese thing. Yeah, yeah, we we need to we need to protect this culture. If you don't like conflict, go back to Turkey, Kurdish guy. Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 38 of Japan by River Cruise. Members will have access to a lot of bonus bits, uh, but also we'll put those bonus bits up on the main feed as well for anyone that's not a member, with the understanding that if you were considering becoming a member, that money goes to one of the organizations which we're linking to in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you, Phil Wang, for being our guest here today. Thanks for having me. It was very pleasurable. See you next week.